The following audio is from Life Centre Church. For more information, please visit lifecentrechurch.com.au. Uh, well, good morning. Uh, my name is Kylam. If you are new, uh, get the great privilege of uh, being one of the pastors here at, at LCC. And today as we um, continue in, in our series, uh, But I Say, obviously it's also it's a special day. And I just want to acknowledge that on, a, on Mother's Day, there are an array of emotions Um, There are some people who walk in the room today and your mother is not here or maybe you have a difficult relationship with your mum and that weighs on you. Um, There are people who walk in the room who wish they could be a mum and you're you're struggling and uh, we pray for you, we're with you. Um, And so there's not just uh, one emotion of celebration and joy, there's a mixture of emotions um, and I pray today that as we, we walk through the passage, I pray that God would speak to you through it. And that no matter where you are in your affective feelings today, that you would meet God. And that He'd minister to you wherever you are. And whatever the context is uh, for how you are feeling. And so today we're going to basically look at the kingdom and anxiety. And we've been walking through um, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And uh, what I love about Jesus is he knows what we really deal with. So the fact that he would even talk about anxiety and worry um, is actually quite, quite cool. I've read a lot of ancient texts and one of the things that stood out to me in my journey of faith was that when I, when I read the Christian text, there seemed to be a God who cared. There seemed to be a God who was interested. Uh, He wasn't aloof, he wasn't distant, he wasn't um, angry. Uh, He he cared about people. And so he speaks about real things that we experience, difficulties that we go through. Um, Proverbs 12.25 says, Anxiety in a man's heart weighs him down, but a good word makes him glad. And I pray today that God's word would be good to you. And make you glad. But before we dig in, I, I want to just explore the concept of anxiety uh, because I think it's uh, a bit of a junk draw term that we use in culture. And so I think it's important to distinguish between what Jesus is talking about and what he is not talking about. Okay, so I want to throw up uh, on the screen just essentially different types of anxiety that we really see in scripture. And I think there's probably one thing um, that would be in our minds today, I don't even think Jesus is talking about. And I think it's important to make these distinctions because in this passage, three times, Jesus says, do not be anxious. And so what I think we see in Scripture is there is a righteous anxiety. Righteous anxiety meaning Paul talks about the fact that he was anxious for the church. And if that was an unrighteous anxiety, he would be sinning. Yet he is saying, no, 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 I, I care about, I'm concerned for people. There's, there's a righteous anxiety where we are supposed to have concern. We're supposed to have things on our mind, and that's a good thing. That's how it should be. If you have no level of concern, then it's probably not a good thing. That's probably saying that all you think about is you. But even as a mum, we have concerns as parents for our children. We have concerns for others. We are to think about and consider other people. So Paul speaks of being genuinely concerned, having this deep longing that he's distressed. 
And he often prays about the daily pressure that is on him and the anxiety that he has for the churches. And so this type of anxiety, the Bible actually commends and says, have this type of anxiety. So that's not what Jesus is saying not to have here. Then I think there's a middle category that I don't think is on Jesus' mind. And what I want to propose that is, is I think that is more of the clinical anxiety. I don't think Jesus has in his mind mental disorders. I don't think he's thinking of those who might have deep depression, who might have anxiety. Like, for those of you who don't know, I have an anxiety disorder. Okay, I struggle with anxiety all the time. I've had a big breakdown. I've greatly, God has been gracious to me in my recovery. But there are still affective chemical things that affect me that Jesus is not saying and speaking to that. So he's not speaking to someone with bipolar. He's not speaking to someone who has deep clinical depression. Um, if he was, it'd be really uncaring. Because one of the worst things you can say to someone who really struggles with this stuff is like, well, why are you anxious? I stop. And we're like, yeah, look, I really wish I could. So now let me punch you in the face. That'll help my anxiety. So there's this idea of like just, just telling someone don't be is actually really unhelpful. <laughs> so if you know anyone who's going through really, really deep stuff, just, just ask the question, well, why are you like that? Um, can I encourage you? Don't do that. Just for the face, you know, keep, you want to keep your face safe from other people slapping or, or punching you, okay? So uh, there is this neither righteous nor unrighteous anxiety that I think exists in our, in our world. And it's an, it's an affective thing. It's not just a cognitive, rational thing. There are things that happen in us. And this is important because people like myself, I struggled to go and see counsellors. I struggled to go and get medication because I thought it was like I should just have enough faith and it should go. And over time, I learned actually there's something very, very deep where you need healing and you need help. And just having more faith isn't the answer. That's helpful, but it's not going to solve everything. So still to this day, I'm still on medication. And if I miss my medication, it really still affects me. Still to this day, I see a therapist once a month. I'm going to do that for the rest of my life because I need some extra help. So I don't think Jesus is speaking to that, okay? He is speaking of an unrighteous anxiety. The word here means brooding, agonizing, languishing, speculating, foreboding, suspicion, and deep concern. And so here's my definition as a non-clinical psychologist with other psychologists in the room. <clears throat> I think what Jesus is, is saying, I think he's speaking of an unhealthy fixation, preoccupation, worry or concern that is with an absent-mindedness of God and eternity. It is an unhealthy fixation, preoccupation, worry, or concern with an absent-mindedness of God and eternity. And I think Jesus has, here in this text, given us three truths that will help those of us who struggle with that. You with me? All right. Dan's the only one with me, so she gets a gift. Okay. Happy Mother's Day. You can laugh at all my jokes today. That'll be great. The lovely Justine has made some gifts today, so uh, that's the first one. So any, any ladies want to participate? Uh, men, men, you can participate too, but you ain't getting nothing from me. <laughs> Father's Day, you get a chance. Okay, first thing he wants to say is that God is our creator and sustainer. So he says in verse 25, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food? 
and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather in the barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? I hate that verse because it's so true. It's like, this does nothing to help me. All my worry, all my anxiety is doing nothing. It doesn't add anything. And why are you being anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like any one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Now it's interesting. Jesus says, don't be worried about food. Okay, that's an interesting one because if I don't eat... Guess what happens to me? Don't worry about clothing and shelter. Why does he pick things that actually matter? Like he picks some of the most important things in our lives and says, don't worry about food and water. Uh, Okay. Don't worry about having shelter. Why does he do that? Well, I think it's because he wants to say, because I look after those. I will provide those. I will give you those. And he says, is not life more than these? Well, not really. So what's he doing? Well, I think what he wants to do is go, hey, here's here's where preoccupation, worry, fixation exists, right? There's a present reality that you experience, and then you move to future potentiality. So you go, ah, the boss has emailed me. He wants me to come in and have a meeting on Monday. And now you don't know why. So you start to fix that. You start to worry as to why. And then if you're anything like me, you go into like a million different scenarios of what that could be. And by the time you even get to Monday, you're already stressed out of your mind. Right? We get preoccupied. It's a present reality. We've got something coming, but we've moved over here to a future potentiality. Well, it could mean this, it could mean this, it could mean this, it could mean this. Meanwhile, the rest of our, our friends and people we live with are like, hey, it could just be he wants to say thanks. <laughs> yeah. Or whatever, right? We don't know. And so Jesus is kind of going, hey, this is, this is where your anxiety lives. You go on that first date. They don't contact you within like three days. And you're like, do I, do I make first contact? Do I ask them how it went? And all of a sudden, well, what happens? What if I do text? And then they were like, oh, well, they're so needy. Uh, and so you go through all this stuff. And all of a sudden, you're like, I'll never, I'll never have this. I'll never have that. And we freak out. Got the exam. I just did two assessments this week. And my mind goes, oh, man. If I don't pass them, then I've got to redo the subject. I don't have time to redo the subject. Having hard enough time doing the subject. But if I don't redo the subject, then I've got to redo the degree. I'm already redoing the degree. Do I have to redo everything? Do I have to redo marriage? Do I have to redo children? Like my whole life's just getting out of control here. And all of a sudden, I'm in preoccupation, fixation, and worry. And I have an absent mindedness of God. I haven't once allowed God to come into my thinking. So Jesus wants to get to real issues. And he wants to say, aren't you more valuable than this? I'm the God who creates, and I'm the God who sustains. 
So I created the birds. So have a look at them. You should actually do this. You should stop. There's one of my favorite things to do. Just stop. Sometimes I video. And I just watch birds. And I go, God made them. And look at how they're just landing in on flowers. And they're just nibbling away. And they fly off. They haven't got a care in the world. And God made them. He created them. And he sustains them. Look at the lilies of the field. Look at them. They, they neither toil nor spin, is what he says. But they continue to survive. How? Why? Because I sustain them. See, what Jesus is doing here, I find this quite interesting. He's like the first person to ever come up with grounding techniques. Okay? I love the response there because now I know who's been into therapy like me. It's like, yeah, I've been given all these tools of like, okay, touch that thing, think five things, touch them, think about it, get through. What was that made from? How does that feel? And all of a sudden you're like, okay, I can get out. Jesus is like, just stop for a second. You're freaking out. Just stop. Look around you. Just look at the birds. Now they're outside, okay? So just look at the wall. <laughs> How did the wall get there? Well, Bob made it. What did Bob make it from? Right? And he wants us to kind of go, there's this real thing. How did it get there? And we reverse engineer all the way back and we go, God made it. How does it stay there? How does it continue to live and survive? Well, God not only makes it, God sustains it. And then he says, are you not of more value than they? In other words, God cares about his creation. Embedded in the physical world are constant spiritual and theological reminders that God does not abandon the work of his hands. Creation preaches divine faithfulness and we are his creation. We are his children. He will sustain us. Amen? Secondly, he wants to tell us that God is not only our Creator and sustainer, God is our caring Father. So when he says, are you not of more value than they? What he's saying is, these, these birds matter to me. I care about flowers. I care about birds. But nothing has proximity to my heart like you. I care about your position. I care about what you're going through. I care about you in a way that I don't care about lilies and birds. Why? Well, because there is not a bird in the world, there's not a flower in the world that was made in his image. There is not a bird in the world, there's not a flower in the world that he says, that is my child. But every single one of us in this room and outside of this room, God looks at and says, I have made them with my image imprinted onto them. You are more than a bird. You're my image-bearing child who I think about. Mums, you have a unique way to see and consider children that dads don't. Sometimes I wish I could just have my wife's ears. Like, how do you hear the 17 things that are going on at the same time? Because I'm still stuck with the thing that's right in front of me. And she can just pick up one of our children can walk into a room and she can just pick up the disposition of their hearts and know, oh, something happened today. There's a unique thing that God is, that is, that's exactly how God is. God is able to look and know and care in a way that no other being can. 
So he says, look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more value than they? Then he goes on and he compares Gentiles to Christians. Verse 31, therefore do not be anxious saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. So Jesus repeatedly tells his disciples, hey, you need to know God's your dad. He's your caring dad, right? And then he makes this contrast between those who who understand God as their father and those who don't. See, it makes absolute sense if you do not believe in God. You don't believe that there's a God at all. Or maybe you believe in God, but he's distant and, and far away. It makes absolute sense that you would live in anxiety every single day. Because your life hinges on you. You're in control of everything. It all falls on you. But for the Christian who says, no, no, God is the creator, the sustainer, and even, even more than that, he's my father who is watching and looking, that doesn't make sense that we would be constantly preoccupied, fixated, and worried. Who here is grateful that they have a loving father. Great. So, oh. <laughs> you can read the Quran, you can read the Hadith, you can read all sorts of, of the writings through Buddha, Buddhism, Hinduism, you can read all of their stuff. There is not a single worldview in religious in nature that describes a God like this. He cares for you. He's thinking about you today. You are on his mind. And that blows my mind. Isn't he too busy? Doesn't he have too much to do? Like, why, why, is, why is my life on his mind? Why is what I'm going through on his mind? Why does he care about my anxiety levels and my mental health? And why does he care about my relational struggles? And why does he care about my financial situation? Why? Well, because he's good and he's kind. And that's just his nature. Now, effectiveness requires two things. It requires potency and proximity. If you have a stain in the carpet and you've got to get rid of that carpet, you need a stain remover that is potent enough to actually do something about it. But if you do not have proximity with your stain cleaner, it will not be effective. You need both. You need potency, able to, and you need willing to. And this is what we have with God. He is not just able to be with us. He's not just able to fix problems. He's not just able to heal us. He's not just able to comfort us. He's not just able to give us peace. He willingly gives it. He loves to give it. And so maybe you're here with us and you're not a Christian and you wonder about God. And maybe your view of God is even, I just, like, he might exist maybe, but I don't know if he's good. And Jesus would answer that and go, oh no, he is good. He is good. How do you know Jesus? Because I am he and I have come to be with people and to walk with people. I love this about Jesus. And so not only do we have a creator and sustaining God, 
we have a good, caring Father. Number three, we have a trustworthy King. What came before this passage? Last week, we spoke about the kingdom of God and materialism. And at the end of that passage, Jesus says, you can't serve both God and money. And it's this idea of a king. There's this idea of having some sort of, of lord, some sort of master. And so what Jesus says is you can't have money and career and possessions as your God and having Jesus as your God. It doesn't work. Either you get your significance, your security, and your deep satisfaction from God, or you get it from elsewhere. And whatever elsewhere is, is your thing, that's, that's your God. That's what you're going to for security and significance. And so it makes sense, right, in light of that, particularly talking about finances, that he would say, now come over here and trust me, because financial situations are real. Many of us, even today, we're, we're worried about interest rates and we're worried about inflation and we're worried about all sorts of things because they're real. But what we do, we, we take that reality and that thing that we're dealing with and wrestling with and then we move again to future potentialities. And so Jesus says, hey, but if, but if, if I'm your God, I got you. I got you. And I've seen time and time again in this church Men and women who have lost work and have been stressed and worried and we've got around them and prayed and we have seen, I reckon, we've been going for just over six years, I reckon I've seen over 25 times in this church people be given jobs by the Lord. He just keeps doing it. In fact, I almost want to like quit this job and just see what happens. <laughs> like, we, we, can I, do I get another church? And be like, nah, you were bad at the first one. We'll just give you, like, you can go and you know, do something else. <laughs> so he says here in verse 33 but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added for you I'll take care of you therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself sufficient for the day in its own trouble who here is grateful to have a good trustworthy king okay I'm starting to see lots of female hands going up Okay, Toby, you want to come get this one for your mum? Yeah, bro. You're a good man. Give it up for Toby. I love this young fella. He's a, he's a good man. He gives me basketball cards. <laughs> Gladiator is in my top 10 movies. Okay, which mum has Gladiator in the top 10? Hey, your hand went up. Fletcher will go and deliver it down the back for you. Thank you. Good man. You're a good man. Back corner. Is it really in your top 10? Oh, it's so good. It's such a good movie. All right, mums. Today you're watching it. All right, that's your, that's your job today. Um, why, why in the movie, why in the movie do we love Russell Crowe? Why do we love Maximus and not Commodus? I mean, sure, Jacqueline Phoenix is a little quirky and, you know. Um, in, in the story of Gladiator, you have this tale of like two leaders. And Commodus is this, this evil guy who's killed his father to take his position. 
But I don't think it's just that that makes us go, oh, I don't like him. I think it's the fact that when you see Russell Crowe, he's playing this Maximus role. I think it's the fact that when he leads, he leads for the people. He's not seeking power. He doesn't want to be king. He doesn't want to be the emperor. He has no desire for that. He wants to serve. He wants to love. And so we are led, like we cut him. We get led towards that. We, we go like, that's the type of leader we love. Why do we sometimes get frustrated with politicians? Because we see them being self-serving, not caring about the poor, not caring about the, the unjust and the way things are happening. And so our hearts, we get angry with that. And I think it's because deep down inside, God has wired it into us to know what good, godly leadership looks like. And Jesus is that leader. Jesus is that king. Jesus is the one who does not serve self. He serves the kingdom and the people of the kingdom. And this, this should blow your mind. Because Jesus is well within his rights to demand, to just command. And if you mess up, to justly do what he wants to do. He is within his rights to do that. He's God. Yet he comes to this earth. And he doesn't say, right, minions, I've got a kingdom and I need you all to get ready and I'm going to train you and I'm going to send you out onto the front lines and whoever comes back, well, good. He doesn't send us to the war. In fact, he says, no, no, I want you all to stay within the walls of safety. I got you. I'm going to go. I'm going to serve. I'm going to beat the enemy. I'm going to take down Satan's sin and death on your behalf, and I'm going to lead us to this new place where everything is as it should be. You don't have to fight the battle. I fight it for you. That's the king. Ah, oh, this is good news. There are so many things sometimes where I feel like I've got to fight, and Jesus is like, hey, trust the king. I've got you. I see what you're going through. I see how it affects you, and I am with you. So Jesus comes and he doesn't send the troops ahead of him to fight his battle. He hops off his throne for his people and fights on our behalf. He defeats Satan, sin and death and offers us righteousness and life and himself. And he continues to lead us towards the beautiful life. And there's this little line in here. Where he says, oh, you of little faith. And I believe what Jesus is trying to say is the antidote to anxiety. That unrighteous anxiety, that fixation, preoccupation, worry, is not peace. It's faith. It's faith believing that this is your God. This is what he is like. Trust him with your life. And when you do, you're like... He's got it. I don't have to act like someone who doesn't believe in God. See, a lot of Christians are functional atheists. They live as though God's not real and God doesn't move and God doesn't do things. It's like, no, let's, let's leave our functional atheism aside and let's come over here and say, no, we are men and women of faith. And yeah, this is what I'm facing. I'm not going to downplay that. This is real. This is affecting me in a deep way. But I'm also not alone. I also have a God who sustains me. And he promises that he will. I have a God who's my father and he is watching and he has proximity to me. He is close and near and he knows what I need and will give me what I need. And I have a king who is leading away and I will follow him wherever he leads because that is the way. 
He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. If I hadn't already given you a gift, I'd give you a gift. I've got one more gift. So who wants to say amen other than Sal? Oh, who said that? Oh, look out. It is um, apples and oranges. There you are. Church, we serve a good God. And as the band come up, I want to let you know, he's got you. Wherever you are right now, he's got you. Some of you are even going, yeah, but like he's got them over there because they're like really righteous and they've done all the right things, but I, I've made decisions and that's, you know, I'm here because of me. It's like, no, no, he's, he's got us, right? No matter, no matter where we are, he's got us. Question is, do we believe? Do we trust? And I want to call you as we sing and as we take communion to use this as a time to put your faith in Jesus. Put your faith in a God who loves you, cares for you, sustains you, is your father, and is a king that is trustworthy. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Life Center Church located in North Lakes. We exist to make, mature, and multiply disciples in communities that depend upon, declare, and display the gospel of Jesus Christ in all of life. If you would like more information about us, please visit lifecenterchurch.com.au. We provide our podcasts free of charge. Please feel free to download the content and share it with others, but please do not edit or alter the content in any way without the written permission from the leadership of LCC. 